Welcome, everybody. It's been quite a while since I've been on this channel doing anything. Um, welcome to Please Welcome. Today, I am joined by Jody Westby Hanalei. Is that right? Shit, I fucked that up. That is right. <laughs> Jody Westby Hanalei. <laughs> now, uh, Jody works with us at IHF. If you guys are in the IHF um, insider room on Facebook or you listen to our podcast, you've heard us in there before. But I wanted to bring him on here because besides him training in bodybuilding, it's led him into another career, which is actually um, pretty interesting. I like it and uh, just want to show that side of him a little bit because everybody on the IHF channel knows that you train and stuff, but they don't know about all the, the media stuff that you do. So, And, in, you know, it's related because you do, you've done videos with bodybuilders and stuff before, and even though you cover everything, you also know how to do it for the bodybuilding. And I know some of the competitors on the island have used your services for that, and the videos have turned out really nice. And if you're watching the video version of this while we're talking, we'll have video clips of some of his stuff up. Uh, but we he also has a pretty good background in, in training and competing, and we're going to go over that. So just uh, help expose some of the trainers on the island for, uh, for guys out there looking and guys out there that want some media done for you know their competition when they get in competition shape or whatever. This is the guy to go to. Um, also, what you do, logos, um, little graphics, animations, all kinds of shit. Now, I know all of my stuff that since I've moved there to IHF, you've done for me as far as this and United We Ran. You've done the logos for both, and they're fucking awesome. And uh, so, anyways, I'll, I'll let him take over here. Uh, first off, you, know, you, you got into bodybuilding when you were young. Actually, you posted some pictures on your IG not too long ago, like, like yesterday when you first started. We still yeah. had hair. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I know you said the way you got into bodybuilding was really interesting. So go ahead and start there and tell us how you got into it. Um, you know, well, for me, it was, uh, I guess you could kind of say it was like a sort of stereotypical, like, had to do weight training because of football. And, you know, that sort of led into like, oh, wow, you know, like I'm reacting better to this. Like my freshman year, like the seniors are like, you know, talking talking to me like, oh, wow, look at your arms, look at your shoulders, look at your development, whatever. Um, you know, as like the freshman, you know, like the squid, um, you know, like typically like all the freshmen get teased by the upperclassmen. But uh, for me, it was like they, like a lot of them really liked me um, because I like, you know, I was like developing muscularity wise uh, a lot faster than all the other guys, you know, my age group. Um, but then, you know, I had like growing up before that, like, honestly, I just always really loved, um, you know, like action heroes, um, freaking superheroes. And um, I always kind of like want to look like that Wolverine and like the Hulk were like my two favorite characters like of all time uh, so like i kind of like wanted to look like that but then uh when it came to bodybuilding it was actually uh it was something i started kind of doing after uh, i would say around like eighth grade ish um and i i literally only started working out in my bedroom uh built myself like a little bench out some two by fours and some plywood that i found on the side of the road and uh, i made uh, weights out of some like juice juice like one gallon juice jugs and filling with sand from the park down the street and i would like watch like a whole like episode of johnny bravo just doing bicep curls <laughs> and um like literally the only reason why i just kind of started working out was um there was like this uh sorry the bike pass okay um, i don't know if you can hear that it's super loud that's all right um but uh 
there was like this this girl at the school that like invited me to come to like uh, like a pool uh, like birthday party thing and you know like so like she had mentioned like you know like oh you know like you know you're you're in shape and stuff you must have a six pack and I didn't have a six pack but I said yes but I didn't so I, I started working out I had two weeks <laughs> I had two weeks to get ready so like I, I did my little workouts and stuff and started to get myself in shape and then you know birthday party got canceled so um, didn't even matter for that particular reason, but then it led into the next thing. So I started kind of doing my own little workouts at home uh, with all the stuff I was telling you about, kind of upgraded a little bit. I used to ride my bicycle to Kmart and then steal 20 pound dumbbells, stick my backpack, run out, and then ride my bike back home. Um, and uh, just working out at home and then got to high school uh, was the very first time I ever played like school sports, had to do like required weight training and all that. And uh, it was actually Right, the, the summer between junior and senior year, um, I decided to, to quit playing football. Kind of got into like a uh, started butting heads with the head coach uh, because I, I chose to go to like a church camp instead of like a football camp oh. in the summertime. And it was just like two weeks, but I went, I went to every other summer, like every, every other like football camp. Uh, but that's like that's a whole different time in my life. And um, so I decided like. You know, screw football. I'm over it. So I decided to just pursue bodybuilding. So my senior year, um, I was the only kid in my high school walking around with this gallon, you know, gallon of water, crystal light. Had like my little uh, Safeway bag with all my meals inside of it. And uh, I got kind of lucky enough that I had one of my teachers, who was my uh, math teacher, uh, who was like a former uh, state champion powerlifter. And you know, he he really supported it. Like. With his powerlifting, he understood, like, oh, meal timing, you got to drink your water, you got it. So um, I came up with this idea of having a club at my school. It was like a bodybuilding powerlifting club, and I, I named it uh, Club Pumptential. Awesome. I like that. And uh, he was our, he was like the sponsor, he was the, the teacher sponsor for the group. <clears throat> and um, so I was living in Colorado at the time, and... Uh, so we had our club. There's maybe only like 10 of us or whatever, but we all got like a really super crazy deal for like 10 bucks a month to go work out at World Gym, which was like a super nice gym, like bodybuilder style, powerlifter style gym. And, um, you know, our, our little club was started working out over there. And I had this like bright idea after going to the, uh, where did I go? I went to the NPC uh, Boulder, the Northern Colorado show. And uh, Phil Heath was a guest poser, and I saw I saw him there, and I was like, "Oh, I realized this guy was like from Colorado. That's pretty cool." And uh, that was like a couple weeks prior. So then I just shot like a, a random email out to you know info at philippeath.com. you know, like, "Hey, I'm this high school senior. I have this club. You know, would you be interested in like coming out?" And literally in like five minutes, I got a response back from him. Said, "Yes, I'll do it." Uh, oh shit! So he drove. Yeah, so he drove. From Marvada to Carl Springs, which is about like eighty-five miles, uh, to meet us up, meet up with us all after school at the World Gym. Uh, I got to train legs with him, and then we did some posing practice. He gave me like his uh, the gift uh, DVD at the time, and then we stayed in contact for quite a quite a few years, and up until basically up until he turned Mister Olympia. And uh, but I I was kind of fortunate. I got to um, have a little bit of guidance from him. I also had a lot of guidance though from who was just like a local bodybuilder at the time, uh, Andy Hammond. And then uh, Andy 
India ended up turning pro at Masters Nationals, I believe, 2008. So that was during my freshman year of college. But he helped me a little bit get ready for my first two shows as a teenager. Uh, right before I graduated, a week before I graduated high school, um, I did my very first bodybuilding show. The following weekend, I graduated on Friday and Saturday. I had my second bodybuilding show. And um, as a teenager, I, I was, it was cool. I, I went and I won my, my middleweight weight class and my overall for the teen division uh, on both those shows. And then I uh, moved out here uh, 2007. And um, I competed about six times while I was in college. Uh, so I got my degree over there, UH Manoa and kinesiology. But I think that's now I'm suddenly leading to probably a different question. So that's that's basically um, how I got started. For those who don't know Andy Heyman, he was sponsored by Diamondized <laughs> for quite a while. He was that's how I know him. Oh, really? Because yeah, I remember him the Diamondized ads, and even when he wasn't competing, he was always doing the boosts and stuff. So that explains why. Yeah. Well, you know, the cool thing about Andy was like he was such a great people person, and maybe he wasn't like the greatest professional competitor. And he knows that. Like, you talk to him, he's the most down earth guy in the world. Like, I could still call him up to this day. And if he doesn't think of me as like, oh, Jody, the kid I mentored, it's like, Jody, my like other son, you know? Yeah. He's, he's like one of the most down to earth, like very genuinely happy people you ever meet. And, yeah. uh, you know, like for him, he was all about like the showmanship, you know, having fun. And then like, where he really made like his mark in bodybuilding was the expos. Like he made the expos fun. Like yeah. he dressed like just like you know I say he would dress up. Yeah, he would dress up and shit for him. <laughs> yeah, and he made it fun because like I mean, how many of us have been to a bodybuilding show and it's just a bunch of grumpy ogres walking around? You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. When's my next meal? Oh, I got four. Like fucking bodybuilding shows. That, that's what it is. So it was cool. Like you, you run around and he's he's out there taking pictures with. You know, uh, special needs, and he's taking pictures with anybody, anybody, absolutely anybody. But you know, he made it fun for you know the, the families that bring their kids because bodybuilding shows. I mean, let's be honest, like they're boring. You know, so especially for a child. So yeah, if you don't if you don't know what's going on, it's fucking boring. Yeah. Um, how many up to now? How many contests have you competed in? My and what's the uh? What, what were the placings, if you can remember all of them? I know you did the okay. USA's once. I remember seeing you down there. I only did USA's once. Um, I did 23 shows. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not going to be able to remember them. Um, well, what's the, what Name name a couple that, that you placed the highest at. Because I know, um, was it the Akaika or whatever when you won your class? It was, or was it the Aloha, yeah, the so first Aloha? So I won I won my class, just the heavyweight class at the 2016 Aloha Muscle. Okay. Uh, but in 2014, I won the heavyweight and the overall for the Kaika. Okay. Um, three weeks after that, I placed third uh, in L.A. Um, a year after that, I placed fourth in L.A. Uh, let's see, my very first two shows, the very first show I ever did was a natural show. I had to take a polygraph for that one. That was a pretty interesting experience. No, they do a polygraph? They do a polygraph. It's the night before you take a polygraph. Wow. So... And the funny thing is, like, so he's asking me, are we able to talk about that kind of stuff on here? Yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Supplements. So, like, the, the guy who's doing, who's running the polygraph, you know, he's like, okay, you know, this is how it's set up, and it's just yes or no answers is all I need. Don't explain anything. Yes or no. 
He's like, have you ever taken the time to do the raw? I'm like, what's that? He's like, yeah, some people use it as a fat burner, but yes or no? I'm like, I don't think so. I mean, do they put that in fat burners? <laughs> Is that a normal thing? Yeah. Have you ever, have you ever used testosterone? Uh, I don't, I mean, don't I produce my own? Like, so yes, sort of, maybe. Uh, do you, like, and literally because of that fucking polygraph guy, I got curious and started researching it all. So I <laughs> my funny. one and only natural show. Let's put that out there. Um, one and only natural show. Uh, well, okay, I did two, but that was the only one deemed a natural show. Yeah. Uh, my, next, my next show was a week after that, and I was also all like natural for that one too. Um, and then it was kind of funny. You know, actually, the only thing I took when I did the Stingray, that did the uh, the Stingray in 2008, which was only the second year it was around. Um, and I remember looking up pictures of the show from the year before, and it was Chavez Higa who won yeah. it the very first year. I remember that. And I remember, I remember like being this like kind of arrogant shithead looking at those pictures, saying, "I can look like that. I can look like that." So 2008, I went in there like I'm gonna win this whole entire thing. Um, and I ended up in third and I had, I was, I just turned 20. Um, I ended up third in the open middleweight for that one. Um, and the guy that actually won my class was, uh, this guy, Carlito Kamat. Um, I remember the guy, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So Carlito is like, like, a, a you know, one known here in Hawaii, very good bodyguard. Definitely probably would have turned pro, um, like in that middleweight class. Uh, yeah. but he, he passed away a few years ago. At the, uh, in this the cup, right? Yep. At yeah. The I, I remember that happened. Yep. So he, he passed away in his hotel room. And, um, but he won my class in that one. Uh, won the whole show. Uh, I did the Paradise Cup. Uh, Guy Leong's last year for the Paradise Cup in 2008. And um, so for those who don't know, Guy Leong was the, uh, the guy who ran the thing. Uh, along with his his partner, um, who is now also passed away, but Guy Leong, uh, cool story with Guy Leong. He actually uh, paid my entry fee for the show because I was an idiot and didn't realize that there was an entry fee for the show. I only realized you had to pay for the card, so for the NPC card. So it showed up at the weigh-ins uh, with my money for that, but um, just for my NPC card. And at the time, it was only seventy-five bucks. But I was like, you know, the kind of kind of broke college kid, and um, Guy Leong was standing there when I was doing, you know, standing on the scale, and uh, he he overheard them asking me like, "Oh, do you have your entry fee money?" And I was like, "I, I don't have it." So he actually he, he covered it for me, uh, and I don't know if it's because he maybe saw potential in me or if he's just that nice of a guy, but uh, had a, had a pretty good relationship with with him. Uh, for that show, and then just for the few months after that, until he passed away. Um, but just such a nice guy, and then Greg Leftport too. Um, he and I butted heads once upon a time, but we made up, became friends again uh, at USA's in 2015 or 16. But then shortly after that, um, he passed away too. You know, those uh, um, that was back in a time where that show. Those guys used to, you could tell they put up, they invested a lot in it because they used to get badass guest posers. Yeah. They, uh, like it yeah. was, I, I used to go for the guest posing because I remember the first that time I went. Event. Yeah, the first time I went, I had met Phil Heath, Branch Warren the first time. I and remember that uh, 
Oh yeah, that was that was awesome. That's when that's the year that Phil got food poisoning and finished fourth in the Olympics, two thousand nine. Yeah, yeah, I'll never forget that. And there for a few years, you're still talking that. Yeah, they they had some good guy. Hita had come down there a couple of times. Sean Roden had been there. Flex Lewis. They used to get some Flex damn Wheeler. good guests. Flex Wheeler, yeah, they used to have some damn good guest posers. Yeah. Um, dude, yeah, no, that, that was actually that was a really good year for that show. Uh, but yeah, I miss those days because honestly, they didn't really bring anybody out for guest posing. Now, like it just doesn't really happen. And like if they do, they try to use like a like a local pro. And I mean, no offense, because I think like Shabbos Higa's great. You know, oh, yeah. we have some we have some really great bodybuilders here. You know, but the thing is, is you know, everyone wants to go to a bodybuilding show, and like you see Bill Heath coming out or Jay Cutler coming out or something like that. It's like, holy crap! Like you're going, you yeah. want to go. You know, like you go. I mean, this sounds really bad, but it's like you can run into Shabbos at the gym. And uh, I I love Shabbos. I think he's such an awesome guy. You know, but I think even even he too looks forward to you know watching somebody else guest pose. Uh, you know, he doesn't necessarily want to go up there and do it. I know he he enjoys you know seeing other guys do a great job up there. I think so. they should do both. They should get a big name and then get some of the local guys to guest pose around them, and that way you kind of get a lot of attention brought to the show. But then they also get to see some of the local pros, maybe get them some more exposure. Yeah, I mean, there was one year I think it was at the Paradise Cup. Could have been Carlos Cup or Stingray, but they um, they had Ed Nunn, and uh, Ed Nunn was kind of like the headliner because he was in, in the mainland. Uh, yeah. But then we had um, Leo Ingram lived out here at the time, and he was a monster. Yeah, I know who that is. So then, then we had Leo, and then they had like a they had another guy uh, whose name escapes me at the moment, uh, but he was like a, a local bodybuilder who was probably going to turn pro someday too, you know, and had all three of them up there on stage at the same time. And that was pretty freaking cool. I don't think I went when they had, when they had, um, Ed Nunn. I remember when he came cause he yeah. used to be sponsored by that, um, arson, that fat burner. Yeah. Remember that's how, that's how old I am. I remember that. Well, that kid. was like when, uh, uh, Silvio Samuel was still, yeah. Like when he was still in the game. Yep. When he didn't, he win the, uh, what was that? Did he win the New York Pro one year? Wasn't that the show, big he, show he won? He won, like, the New York and then won, like, four shows right after that. Yeah. With the, um, the English Grand Prix and that whole, like, Europe tour. He won, He won like, every single one. Yeah. Did you ever, did you ever any, any um, ambitions to turn pro? Or were you just thinking this is going to be a hobby? Or, you know, what? how far, and when you, when you got into it and you were at, at your peak, you know, where you were biggest, you were competing all the time. Like, did, what what vision of yourself did you have at that time? At the end of the at the end, at the end of the time, what was the goal? Um, you know, like when I was when I was younger and getting into it. Once I fully understood like how it works, like the ins and outs of it. Uh, yeah, I was. I mean, I look back and I find some of my posts online, and I'm just like, God, I was such a cocky shithead. Like, I can't believe I said these things. But I'm just like, I'm looking at this stuff, and I'm just thinking to myself, like. I can't believe I'm the guy on, online, the 19, 20-year-old kid that's like, I'm going to be pro by some 21. Uh, I have to be pro card all the way. Like, I'm going to be a pro and whoop your ass. Like, you know, just <laughs> saying, like, really stupid shit. Uh, but, I mean, that, I guess, when I, when I initially, like, fully understood everything and, like, I wanted to turn pro. Like, I really did. Um, but it was different. It was, it was, it was still different than, than it is now. Like, social media wasn't 
really big yet. Um, like really the extent of social media was like Facebook, MySpace, and YouTube. And like people weren't really promoting themselves as athletes that way. So like you had to get in, um, you know, you had to go to like a national show and compete. And then all the main, all the big photographers are there. And then, like you need to get invited by one of those photographers to go do a photo shoot while you're there. You know, between prejudging and finals or like after the show or whatever, you know, try to get a picture, some photos done with these guys, you know, and where you have a chance of it getting published. And then you have, and then you have your, your way in. Um, I was really for bodybuilding. I was only able to get, I was only able to get a picture in one magazine ever, uh, but it was pretty cool. Uh, 2009 October uh, edition of Flex Magazine. So I have one little blurb in there. Uh, no shit. Uh, yeah, bottom left corner. Um, it was my picture when I had like some long hair and uh, competed at the Paradise Cup. And it was uh, it was kind of cool. They they kind of like, took some of the bio stuff that I sent them uh, that they asked for, and they had a little like a little bit to it. You know, they had like a little ed editor's note on there, like, oh, you know, watch out for this kid. Definitely looks like he's got some great potential. And, um, you know, like, it kind of made my head a little big. And, uh, but then I did collegiate nationals uh, 2009, um, did the middleweight, and I took fourth in that. And that was like a very, like, odd fourth place because I was in the second callouts the entire time. Uh, so there was one guy ahead of me uh, on actually yeah there was two guys ahead of me on stage so like they looked like I was in sixth place you know having been at prejudging you would have thought like I was dead center in the second call out so it looked like I was in sixth place uh, but when finals came around all of a sudden I got fourth and I like I had a lot of, like a lot of compliments from people saying like oh you you know you could have won you should have won that class and uh, I remember approaching George Farah after the show because his client's the one who, who won my class and i was like what do you think i need to improve on like how i, I really i'm not trying to be an asshole but like how'd your client beat me yeah because i was like shredded to pieces and it wasn't like he was any thicker than me because uh, we're like the same height and everything uh and he was just like he was just like oh you're flat you're flat and like turned his head and i was like what do you mean flat like i literally ate an entire fucking pizza today like i don't feel flat i'm veiny as hell and i'm shredded to fucking pieces like that was by far the most shredded I had ever been. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, you have, you should be shredded at 177 pounds. Whatever. Oh, for sure. Should be, should be shredded. Um, and uh, it was just funny. He goes, well, obviously your coach doesn't know what he's doing. So I turned around. My coach was standing right behind me. And I was like, hey, Cameron. I was like, George doesn't think you know what you're doing. And then he turned around. And they got into it. And I walked away. Shit. Um. But then I, it was cool though, because that, that show, I was able to make some really good connections with some of the other guys who, uh, for like, probably like five, yeah, five, five of the guys I competed with at that show are now pros. Um, one of them being Unwin. Un, Unwin, he won the heavyweight class at that show. Okay. Um, God, there's so many other ones. One of, one of my really good friends, Johnson Irizarry. Uh, he he's not pro right now, but he I mean he's right there with those guys. And uh, he's very, very big on social media. But he's also like one of those like flat earther people, so he's way into that stuff too. Um But yeah. What was the question? Um <laughs> oh, you got it, you got it. The uh, 
how did you start getting to the training aspect? Like, how did uh, you go from – well, you were competing and training people at the same time, but what yeah. was it that sparked the light bulb off that you should start training people as a career too? Uh, so when I was in college, uh, I really knew what I wanted to get. I didn't know what it was called, but, like, my senior year, I remember uh, telling somebody – at church that like, I just like exercise. Like, I wish there was something about exercise. I want to know as much as there possibly is about it. And he was like, oh, it's called kinesiology. So I literally just like looked at the UH Manoa website, saw the word kinesiology and was like, cool, they have it. And I honestly didn't even apply for college until about a month before. Um, but I got in, um, I had, you know, the ACT scores to get in and, um, the GPA and stuff from high school. So I, I went to UH, um, kind of like, you know, I was getting my degree and while I was in college, I was competing. And then I'd have like some guys like the school gym, you know, asking me for tips and stuff. And then that led into actually when I competed at the, uh, 2008 paradise cup, I also had four clients in the show with me. Well, I would literally call clients. They were my friends, but like four of my buddies from the school gym competing in the show too. And it was just cool because like for you know all of high school and like all my freshman year of college, you know, I was like the only, only guy walking around with this gallon of water, you know, and his meals and eating in class had like this little fold out, like D battery, uh, flip out fan that I would stick my desk because I was super hot all the time. And, um, you know, it's kind of cool because then my sophomore year, I was able to like, you know, kind of convert some guys into wanting to compete and get really into bodybuilding. And they did some shows with me and I helped them, you know, get ready for those shows. And then, um, then I just got focused on myself as far as bodybuilding goes. Did like a little help helping helping people, but my ultimate goal after getting my degree was actually uh, to go off to PA school. So I was gonna go off to PA school at Mount Sinai in New York, and um, at the time I it just got like kind of just got out of like a bad relationship, and that ended, uh, and I just had no money. I had no money, but it was summertime, and I was like supposed to be leaving in August you know, they go to New York and, um, basically just, it was like, it'd be like a summertime job where I, I picked up a gig over at 24 hour fitness as a trainer. And, uh, I mean, I just, I just figured it out really fast. Like I enjoy training people. I already kind of knew what I, I mean, I already knew what I was doing. It came to exercises and stuff. Obviously, I mean, I've, you know, developed new techniques and methods and, um, training strategies and knowing how to, you know, uh, modify things for different types of clients and stuff now uh since then but you know i i got really into it uh, and so after like having my degree uh you start out 24 hour fitness is like cpt one and they're like oh if you want to go cpt two you need another cert so i got another cert cpt two which means you get a higher percentage off of the worth of the session uh, so then i bumped up the cpt two or two and then to three and then i became elite uh which gave me like 27 percent of like whatever the session was worth. So if the session was worth, you know, hundred bucks, I was getting 27 bucks, uh, plus I'm getting 20% of the sale on commission. Um, and then I'm also getting minimum wage of 725. So I'm, you know, I'm 21 years old, making like 30 bucks an hour or more. And I was thinking like, this is fucking awesome. And I'm, but and the thing was too, is I was like really good. I figured out that, that kind of like corporate system. And I was like banging out sessions, uh, broke, all kinds of like session records uh, nationwide for all 24 hour fitness. Uh, well, I was like servicing like over 180 sessions a month 
And at 21 years old, I'm bringing in paychecks every two weeks at like two, you know, anywhere between like five, six, seven thousand dollars every two weeks. Jesus Christ. So like I'm 21 years old thinking like, wow, like fuck college, like fuck going <laughs> off the PA school. Yeah. You know, screw those guys. Like they can keep their, like keep, keep it. Fuck it. I don't need their education. Like I'm doing this. I'm making more than those fucking PAs are. Screw them. So, um, that was kind of like the mindset. I, I was like, I'm going to stick to this. Uh, but, you know, short-lived at 24 Fitness because after about a little under two years, um, they offered me this opportunity to go through this like management training program. And I went through the whole, whole management training program. It's about six months long. And um, went through the whole entire thing. Basically, I was promised the job from the district manager uh, as becoming the fitness manager um, at the Hawaii Kai location. So on the other side of the island, which was actually literally the lowest grossing 24-hour fitness in the country. And um, I was going to be kind of like the, the flipper. I was going to go in there and, and create revenue for them because I was good at it at Kapilani. So Kapilani and Pearl City locations are actually the two highest grossing 24-hour fitnesses in the entire country. And um, so at, at Kapilani, um, I was making a killing and I was doing well. So they were like, you know, let's give you this fitness management position over there. The club manager, manager at the location I was already working at um, basically just said, like, you know, you can't have the job because we need you here. Like, you made you made our quota so high that we can't afford to leave. Like, have you leave? Uh, so I, I tried to go to the higher-ups, and the higher-ups was kind of like, well, unfortunately, he is kind of like the final say. So I tried to stick it out for, like, another couple weeks, uh, but I decided to back off. I was like, I'm over here, like, training new trainers and doing 180 sessions a month. Like, I'm burning myself out for what? Like, I, I made a lot of money, but I don't necessarily need all that money, so let me back off a bit. So by backing off, I'm doing 120 sessions a month and, and still training these new trainers. And uh, they came they came to me just saying, like, hey, why are you slacking? You can't slack because we didn't give you a job. And I was like, you know what? Like, you guys just don't appreciate anything. So I was like, you know what? Let's just consider this my two weeks' notice. Uh, the manager then was like, oh, here's a paper and pen, write it down. So I did. Then took it, tore it up, and threw it in my face and said, you can go home. So I left. And that's when, um, that's the, literally the week after that, um, I went to IHF, and I've been there ever since. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of what sucks about the corporate system, man. It's all about, but you can do what you can to deserve that promotion. But if you're making more money in the lower spot, they're not going to fucking move you. And it kind of, yeah. I mean, it, it kind of gives you the... Uh, the principle that why work? I mean, yeah, I can make all this money, but I want to be promoted. I want to be, to be in charge of shit. If you're not gonna give me that, I'm not gonna fucking work. Yeah. Gotta give it. You gotta have incentives. Shit. So, um, how long you been at IHF for a while? I mean, you were there when it was just like one corner of that building was all they had. Yeah, we originally had like about twelve thousand square feet, or not twelve, twelve hundred square feet of just like green turf and maybe like handful of dumbbells some plates and a bunch of like we still have one i think one smith machine the leg press and the hack squat are like three of the, like three original pieces and yeah. the rest of it's all new now um and then the rest the other stuff that we had were like really shitty like kind of hotel version like multi-stations and like a rower for cardio and that was like pretty much it and some boxes that one of mark's clients made for us which are still there at the gym and now 
now that gym's got about any every fucking piece of equipment you can imagine that you would need in a gym reverse yep. hyperextension every i mean everything you need i mean you can go in there and point out where you don't have this but i would come back with nobody fucking uses that that's why it was we don't have it yeah everything that's beneficial to to bodybuilding and even and then some like the sleds ropes all that it's there i've never seen yeah. a gym like that that absolutely you didn't have to worry about shit yeah, that's like that's just the coolest thing about being there is, um, you know, like Mark and I would be able to, you know, really develop like a good friendship too, and where I was like, and I've been able to have like influence on like machines for the gym and you know layout. Um, you know, I've been there like laying down turf, you know, cutting cutting the fucking rubber for the floors, painting the walls. Like I've been there for all that kind of stuff, and it's really cool to see it. Uh, really be what it is today you know and especially watching it expand like we we used to like have to like walk over like pallets and walk around giant pallets full of like cabinets and doors and hardwood flooring just to train our clients and at one point we had a bunch of machines that got shipped in on pallets and um they, like we were working we were having people work out on the machine on a pallet that was like wobbling like this and um, like it was hardcore and people stuck around me I have one, one of my clients that's been with me since I got there. Yeah. Um, and still trains me to this day. Um, and then actually two of my clients, I'll take that back. There's two. I have two clients that have, have trained with me ever since. Um, regardless of the shit being in the way and the fucking pallets and all that stuff, only having a really small strip on the top level of the warehouse, you know, to now having the entire top floor and that entire garage. Like we didn't have any of that before. And it's, it's, crazy like to really think about where it came from well, you know, just was, go ahead i was gonna say it was just kind of funny how how we sort of, like sort of slowly made our way across the room so like when the company that was using all the other space to like you know store the hardwood flooring and the cabinets and stuff they would come in and maybe move some stuff out for like a job site we would like slowly push like a machine back like a foot <laughs> take, take a little bit more room so they would have less room to store their stuff. And so as they like, they started to bring stuff in, they would just keep moving it back. And so like, as they take stuff out, taking the next job. So we just slowly kept creeping across the gym yeah. until finally, finally the owner of the company was like, you would just want the whole fucking floor. We said, yeah, yeah, we do. So we took it. Uh, I know just since I've been there for a year and a half, almost two years now, um, the amount has changed. And when you said about having suggestions, of what goes on, I remember one time he came in, Mark and, asked you know what do you think we should get and i was just like well you know i'd probably get this and that and like a few weeks later it fucking showed up i'm like what like <laughs> i mean they, he's already done more in that gym in the year and a half i've been there than the last time i was at for seven years so that's um like i like seeing that because it tells you that the owner gives a fuck about the gym and he gives a fuck about the members because he wants the best shit for them so yeah. he's constantly and it's not necessarily getting newer stuff it's getting the right stuff i mean you can get right. new equipment that's been mass produced and it, that shit's crap but yeah. he knows like the, the old equipment that's sturdy that's good like the traditional hammer strength stuff you know you go in there and you see different brands of stuff that's how you know it's a good gym because they have the best machines of each brand in there it's not just all one brand because it yeah. you know it's not never it really works out like that you want <laughs> the best of each thing and that's what he's got so yeah. I, that's that's the first thing when i first went in there to, to work there i noticed that and i just like man i've got to work here this is gonna be awesome yeah well um, it's like like you were saying, like all those machines are like, you know, they're, they're the ones that really work. And like, we, we really like 
in a sense, kind of handpicked everything in there. Like some some stuff is new and had to be shipped in. Um, some stuff is like literally just most everything in there is literally one gym goes out of business and we go in and take stuff. I mean, we pay for it, but we, we go in there, we take stuff. Yeah. And, um, you know, we take what we like. We don't like, and the advantage I think that we have as opposed to like a big corporate gym is that as far as like bodybuilding, powerlifting, strength sports really go, we all have, we all have the advantage of being the ones who run the gym, but have done all those things where you have like corporate gyms that are run by like, guys who go play golf all day you know and like they're like real like real businessmen like and no offense like there's you know some meathead businessmen out there but this this gym was designed by the people who want to be there yeah exactly right you're exactly right i think um that's one of the reasons people like it so much so yeah yeah, you can definitely tell it's ran by people who have or who are trainers who have done that stuff before because of what we've got in there um what, as a trainer, um, I know you've had quite a bit of success training people um, for winning contests and stuff. What's um, you actually have a one or two pro cards too that you've helped, right? Yep. So, what if you had to, for lack of a better term, market your strategy, or if you did anything unique to another trainer, or how how would you say your training style, training and diet style is? Like what what. It's hard to do that, especially for people like us that know how to do a lot of different stuff. And we you know we do whatever works best. But if you had to try to say something unique about your style, what would you say? Um, you know, um, I mean, like like you said, everything gets really modified depending on the type of person. Uh, if we're kind of speaking in general terms, general terms, I would say I'm I'm typically like a, a point forward carb cycling. Uh, you know, but honestly, like if a person can't eat the carbs, I'm taking them out. It's yeah. it's literally like, you know, if, if you can't do it, we're not eating it. I don't care how much you feel like you're suffering. Like if you're not suffering, you're not doing it right. Yeah, and that's fine. You know, and I, and I feel like that's what, like, that's kind of some of the reason why I don't I don't compete anymore. Um, I had some some health issues, but that's regard like that's beyond the point. Like a lot of it is that the bodybuilding world has changed so much. Like. There's, there's too much overthinking, to be honest. Like, there's too much overthinking. People trying to get things way too fucking technical and trying to get, like, methodical ways to get around, like, hard work. Unfortunately, bodybuilding is is, is hard work. It, like, yeah, you can work smarter, but that smart work still got to be hard work. And I'm sorry, that's just the word, what it is. Like, bodybuilding doesn't doesn't come easy. Like, there's a few genetic, cre- like, fucking freaks out there who just respond to anything. They're like, oh, I do 15 minutes of cardio a day. Well, good for you. Well, nothing, <laughs> yeah. 99% of us can't fucking do that. And that's just what it is. Like, that is bodybuilding. And you know, I feel like, unfortunately, too many people don't realize that. And it just, they got this generation of, like, slackers, and then they decided to, like, down downgrade the, the kind of like the, uh, the bodybuilding um, elite, like bodybuilding was a thing where you were like sort of a genetic, the genetic elite, you were the hardworking elite. And, and that was, body, that's what a bodybuilder was like. He's the extreme of hard work and genetics. And um, now, now you got all these fucking categories out there where you could have like, okay, genetics, uh, you could kind of work hard and you can still win a fucking pro card. It's irritating. Especially if you get a new division at the right time, you can get it real fucking quick. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, you know, I, I always say you can probably minimize the period that you're going to suffer, but there's going to be a point where it's going to fucking suck. Like there's just, yeah. you can be smart with the diet and, and start longer period and be comfortable and to where you don't have to suffer as long because you did it right. But there's going to be a period where your body's going to be like, you know what? Fuck you. I don't want to get leaner. And then you really have to crank it up. And it's, it's like, this is what we're going to decide if you're actually going to fucking make it to that stage time or if you're going to go the fuck home. Yeah. Well, uh, who's it? Dennis, Dennis James. Someone asked him, what's bodybuilding? He goes, it's the guy who can be uncomfortable the longest. Yeah. And it's like, you know, like you, that, that's the thing with it. It's like you, like, like you said, like you can make, make, you can diet longer, you know, so you don't have to like really like fucking really dial things in, you know, the last four weeks and feel like shit. But you know what? Like sometimes you kind of just feel like shit all the time and you get used to it. Yeah. Like you, you have to, you have to kind of feel like shit when you want to be, you know, over 250 pounds at like, you know, single digit body fat. I'm sorry, but it is what it is. But it's those guys who, who feel that way and, and that last for a long time that are staying on stage as pros. I'll tell you like this. Um, the I think it was either the Aloha or the Stingray, one of them where I dieted real hard. I did a keto diet and I lost like 30 pounds in the city. It was, the pictures, on they're fucking ridiculous. Anyway, when you're talking about feeling like shit and getting used to it, I had quit dipping snuff. So I was going through nicotine withdrawals. I had a UTI and shingles all at the same time. And the Jesus doctors, Christ. they did the test on me and found this besides the withdrawals and said, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm fine. They're like, you shouldn't be. What the fuck's wrong with you? And they were like, they told me I had all this stuff. and Because I, I went in because I found the shingles on my side. And then they realized I had this bad UTI that was like about to start cooking my fucking organs that had been in there, which is a funny story for another time. But <laughs> they, I, they, they thought they gave me the impression that I should have acted like I was on my deathbed. And I was like, nah, I'm okay. I'm used to feeling like shit. <laughs> so yeah. I'm, I think I'm normal. So yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's, that's, it, you got to get used to that. And some people, the least amount of inconvenience they get to, they start whining and you're just like, dude, fuck you, man. Like this is just the beginning. And, yeah. um, that's why I, I, I like training. I I've learned how to make the dieting comfortable training everyday people, but, I do miss training the competitors and just seeing like how much can this person push this shit. Cause I've seen yeah. some people really fucking push it. I don't know if you remembered, um, I trained a girl all year and there was one, she was six weeks between contests and we starved and beat the shit out of her. And in six weeks, she, she went from not even getting called out to play, getting first call at the next contest. But those six weeks fucking sucked for her, but she didn't, care. Oh, yeah. she, she was wanted that bad. I'm like, that's the kind of attitude you have to have to do this, you know? Yeah, and the thing is, like, you're not, you know, we've never been pro, so we had to do our everyday life shit around that too, which makes it even yeah. fucking harder. Well, even even the pros have everyday life shit. Like, one of, one of my one of my best friends, uh, he's a pro, he's a two twelve pro, and I was trying, to, I was getting ready for the uh, Ferrigno, two thousand fifteen, and uh, I had like a whole bunch of shit happen, you know, with with my business at the time uh, when I used to own the supplement shop. Had a bunch of stuff happened there. And then, like, my, uh, I had, like, a family death and all this other stuff. And I was just, like, you know, like, he was kind of trying to help me get ready for that show. And, you know, I told him, I was, you know, I was like, dude, I don't know. Like, financially, I don't know if I can. And, like, mentally, like, my head's not there. And he's like, dude, life happens. You decide to do this fucking show. Either you're doing the show or you're not doing the show. 
life around you is still going to happen. So up to exactly. you. Exactly. Absolutely. He's like, he's like, there's always another show, but you said you're going to do the show, do the show. And you're aware that the rest of your life doesn't fucking halt just because you decide you want to, you know, diet down for a fucking show. And it was kind of that little reality check where I'm just like, Oh, you know, like it really put things in perspective. Like, Oh, you mean the world doesn't revolve around me? Oh, okay. And no one gives yeah. a fuck if you're doing a show. You're the only one that cares. So they're no not gonna they're not gonna back everything off. I actually designed yeah. a shirt. I haven't made it yet, but on the back of it it says, "Life doesn't go on hold because you have a fucking goal." You yeah, I like guess yeah, that's just how it works. I mean, it's I don't know. People expect the world to go on hold because they have something to do, and it's like, no, nah, man, you got to juggle your everyday. You got to reset your fucking patterns to get what you got to get done and reach your goals. And that's why only a small percentage of you fucking people make this. Now getting into what you do now, what you do now, because now you have like a what do you call it? like a like a media company or how, how would you name it? Because uh, you do you do pictures, videos, all kinds of stuff. Pretty much that people use to promote or do media services, us social media, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and I know you guys started doing it with the bodybuilders. You've shot. If you guys are watching the video version of this, the clip of IHF that I put before this as the ad is one that Jody made. Um, how did you get into that? And was it was it something you kind of already had some knowledge in doing, and you wanted to apply it, or did you just kind of fumble into it, just experimenting with shit, or because that's how I got into doing some of this stuff, which is fucking with stuff. Yeah. So how did um, you get into it? Well, um, it kind of yeah it started with bodybuilding, and it wasn't really something I had any knowledge about. Uh, I just went to the store, you know, like and bought a camera. Uh, I got kind of lucky, like there's a Sam's Club upstairs from Walmart, and uh, Sam's Club was selling the same camera that Walmart was selling, but Walmart was selling 500 bucks with two lenses, an extra battery, and the carrying case, and Sam's Club had just the camera with one lens for 900 bucks. So I went down to Walmart and grabbed it, um, and it kind of just started from there. Like I, I just started taking taking some video and stuff. Uh, with that camera, um, then as I started to understand how the camera works, like the, the ISO and the aperture and the shutter speed and all that kind of stuff, um, then I started looking into like different lenses, what kind of lenses are better for shooting video with, um, trying to understand lighting a little bit better, uh, you know, and then I had a lot of limits though on that camera. Um, I mean, that camera could only do 1080 at 30 frames per second, which means like pretty much zero slow-mo, um, you can't really get cinematic. Uh, I mean, you can to a degree. Uh, you know, and the thing was, too, is with editing, uh, shooting at 1080 when, you know, the standard for video nowadays is at least 1080. Uh, there isn't a whole lot of wiggle room for editing. So, like, you can't really crop stuff without it like, getting blurry. So that's when I, I upgraded to a camera that could shoot 4K. I could do 180 frames per second. Um, and, like, I just I kind of turned into a camera geek. And it really started to enjoy it. Uh, but it started off with just me wanting to, you know, like take some videos of like my friends and stuff um, who were training. So like I used to train with uh, IFBB Pro Mike Dragna, and we were training partners for about five years. Um, and, you know, so like I filmed some of our workouts and stuff and uh, started, you know, kind of just use that for practice. But it was all just kind of like throw the, throw the camera on the tripod, you know, maybe try to catch some, some, handheld footage when he's doing a set or something if I don't have to spot him 
but you know, it wasn't like the best videos in the world. Um, but then just, you know, got more into it. Uh, from there, you know, like I started making like little like how-to videos and like quick, uh, like I call them like, quick tips in under 60, under 60 seconds. And I would do like, you know, so someone asked me today, you know, can I drink my aminos to flavor my water all day? You know, and I would go and do under 60 seconds, you know, talk about kind of the science of what amino acids are, how they affect the body, the fact that they actually do have calories, even though they don't list it on nutrition facts, um, and that drinking them all day long is not good. Um, you know, just stuff like that. So I did like a little series like that for a while. And then uh, I had like a few people ask me like, oh, do you do videos for other people? And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do one for you. You know, they're like, well, how much do you charge? Like, Shit, I don't fucking know how much I charge. I don't, I don't charge me. So I don't know how much I charge. <laughs> so, um, you know, so it's like, I think like the first video I ever did, I charged the guy like 60 bucks or something. And, um, guys, <laughs> kind of cool. uh, I think Mako is, he looks like a staff terrier. And then Naya is a Chihuahua Pitbull mix. I think Brit oh, just came home because Mako loses his shit every time she comes home. He acts like he hasn't seen her in <laughs> fucking years. That's why he's running around and whining and shit. Oh, he's good. Cool. Yeah. Wow. Um, no, yeah, so... Yeah, it just kind of started like that. Like, had a few more people ask. Like, they saw that guy's video, and then another guy wanted a video. And it sort of, like, kept stemming from there. And then I upgraded the equipment, um, made some different videos, was able to get, like, you know, IFBB pros to shoot with me. Um, which then led to being able to actually travel. I got flown out to uh, Japan, Guam, and Saipan, all all um, for video work. In Alaska too, right? In Alaska, yeah. I remember that one. In Alaska, um, all just for video work. Um, and the Alaska one was a little different um, compared to the other ones. The other ones were just to make videos like for like the local athletes in the gym and to cover the show, stuff like that. But then the, actually the show in Saipan, I got to be like a guest poser for it too. Oh, cool. So that was um, But then uh, the one for Alaska was actually a gym owner uh, out there who wanted to start making videos for his gym and for like the athletes that train out of his gym. But he had no idea how to use a camera or how to edit a video or anything. So the like couple, few months you know, went by where we're just kind of chit-chatting back and forth. I didn't really know who he was or anything. And I thought it was kind of weird that some guys fly me into alaska and i'm like yeah i didn't really know what to think but you know we're chit-chatting through um, instagram for a while you know then we exchange phone numbers uh so we're, we're texting each other and stuff and uh i mean the guy is super cool his name's brandon he's like a super nice guy he owns a really cool gym in alaska um called iron asylum and uh there it's pretty it's a badass gym it's basically like a single level um ihf you know like he's got He's got all the kind of like the same mismatch equipment, but like really tries to like hand choose everything that's in there. So what part of Alaska? Um, he's in Sedalna. Sedalna. Okay. Like right outside of Kenai. So I think it's about an hour south of Anchorage. Okay. I used to live in Anchorage. Why So yeah, he has his gym there. Really badass gym. Super nice guy, but literally put me up there for a week. And I got to stay in this little cabin in the woods and let me borrow like this brand new like F one fifty Raptor. And uh, you know, like, I had I had a ball, dude. Like Alaska's awesome. Yeah, VIP and, shit, man. You know, like 
Uh, basically, all day long, I just kind of get to do whatever I want. And then we meet up about 6 p.m. Sorry for the sirens. If you can hear no, it's those. all good. It's all good. It's the pleasantries of living in the city. That's that's real Hawaii for you guys listening right there. You girls can see all that. Yeah. Oh, there's the convention center. Yeah, we're right across the street. And believe it or not, that's the 24-hour fitness I used to work at. That's what. That's where I go do cardio in the mornings because I look up <laughs> the building every time. Uh, but yeah, the guy Brandon, he uh, he put me up there to literally teach him how to use his camera um, and how to edit. And so I like kind of get to do whatever I want all day long, and then we meet up at 6 p.m. at his house uh, in his office, and we just bang away at footage and you know, just teach him how to do some really basic stuff told him like you know when you're really getting into it like i'm, I'm showing you more than i knew when i got started so you have that that, that you know you have a one-up on me because you don't have such a huge learning curve like i'm showing you a lot of stuff that you can do and then once you kind of figure out all these basic things like you start to realize like once once you like you know hit a button or whatever and when you're editing like you can always undo it and so it's a lot of trial and error like just try shit you know and see what works and really just keep going for it like and then you start getting more creative because sometimes you think you shot the greatest footage in the world and this actually happened with him where like i was like all right cool we're going to your gym and we're just going to see if one of your members is cool with us like shooting them i'm going to shoot you know on, on one side of it and then i'm going to have you shoot and then when we get back to your office we're going to compare you know and i'm not not trying to do it like i'm better than you but you know so like we're there and he's shooting. He's like, dude, I got some badass footage. And then when we got back to the office, he's like, my footage looks like shit. He's like, I thought I was shooting good. I'm like, but he noticed the difference in like kind of the, the smoother panning, um, the angles that were being taken, you know, how to really make that person uh, look look like a superhero because that's that's pretty much what they want. Like that, that's my ultimate goal when it comes to fitness stuff is, is make this person look back and watch their video of themselves and be like, yeah, I look, I look powerful, I look strong, you know, and, and I, I look like the fucking superhero I'm trying to be. And um, a lot of that maybe is like my own, you know, thing, like I was telling you when I got into it, like I really, yeah. always, I really like action heroes and, and, you know, superheroes and all kinds of stuff. And so I kind of figured a lot of us all do. A lot of us who are, get, are into it and like the, those of us who took it to the extreme or take it to the extreme, that's, that's kind of our ultimate goal. Like we, we want to fucking, you know, like if, if you see an accident and this person's trapped inside their car, you want to be able to rip the door off. Yeah. Like, you know, like that's the thing. Like you want, you want to be that person. So at least here in this video, I can give you the opportunity to showcase. Yeah. The mm -hmm. angles and stuff, man, they make you when just from what I've done with my phone in the gym, I can tell if I shoot painting up or shoot coming down, depending on what I'm doing, makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, that's it's it. That's how I mean. I don't know a lot, but the stuff I do learn is just trial and error. Once I learn the program I'm using and learn what the buttons do, I can just you know fucking make shit up. Yeah. But you know, I'm I'm trying to learn from you to get up on what the shit you can do now. I think one of the problems that sets me back is I don't want to buy the goddamn programs, which I'm going to have to do eventually. What but are you using? I just use um. I use the iMovie with my computer that comes in, and then whatever's on. I bought a program for my phone that does. If I had the 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 hard drive space, I could do 4K. Yeah. But actually, the quality that comes onto you, if I upload it to YouTube straight from my phone, the quality is fucking awesome. So I try to use my phone as much as possible. Yeah. Um, well, 
I mean, I like, solve the webcam problem. I want to get to where my webcam does really high quality shit. I mean, it, it looks good, but I want like crystal clear, like almost it looks like I use the actual video camera, which I know a lot of the guys that do it, like Colombo and stuff, I think they wire a camera to the computer, right? That's how they get it. So yeah. there. Yeah, that's how yeah, I want to get to where I'm doing that shit. You could just take like a DSLR or a mirrorless camera and, and directly, it's called tethering. So you could tether it into your computer and just record straight to your camera. Yeah. So you, you could do that. You could just get like a cool, a good camera with like the nice like focal range that you want, you know, so you can maybe blur your background uh, a little more or whatever. Uh, but honestly, like I'm kind of surprised. I was, I was noticing that with your camera that it like really keeps you in really good focus. And it's doing like a, like a bokeh like very well. So it's like keeping you super focused and actually blurring your background right around the edges of you and your chair very well. I mean, considering it's a webcam, like it's yeah, it's a, it's a Logitech. It's a, I bought it quite a while ago, but I mean, once, um, once I started, I got it set up to zoom. Like it does pretty good. It's just, I, I want that, that super TV quality or movie quality eventually one day when my channel yeah. does grow. But I mean, it, the, the videos get their purpose done. So I just got to deal with that for now. Um, is so have you started shifting towards the media stuff as being the main career now? Is that what you prefer to do? Or are you still wanting to like go back into training, training people for contests? Because I know with the with this dumbass pandemic and shit, we've kind of gotten out of training for contests because they've all been canceled. But yeah. you know, sometimes it, it's very meticulous and we get aggravated because we feel like we're their fucking dads when we're training them and stuff. But goddamn, nothing is more satisfying than just training a bunch of people, seeing them go in there and just fucking win or seeing people change like 180 in a matter of months. Like it, it's fucking rewarding, man. I mean, I, I honestly, I, I enjoy training competitors because if I get guys that really will do whatever the fuck it takes, you can do some badass shit. And that's yeah. the kind of stuff that really gets me going. Um, do, do you still have that drive or is it, you just want to go more into the media side and promoting side of it? You know, I, 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 for a little while I thought like, you know, doing the media and everything was like all I want to do. I wanted to like, you know, get away from training people like completely and everything. Um, you know, and, and actually, I would kind of thank, thank the pandemic a little bit uh, for it, but it made me realize I really do actually enjoy it. Like, I really do. I, I enjoy training people, you know, but I enjoy training people who want to be there. Yeah, um, it makes a big and, difference. <laughs> and, and, you know, like, I think the opportunity that I have at the moment with the media stuff is that mm -hmm. I can make that kind of like my more more of my main go-to and, and, and sort of pick and choose clients. Uh, that, you know, the ones who want to be there, the ones that are going to be consistent, you know, the ones that pay you on time, you know, where, like, I can, I can continue to have fun, you know, with them, because, it, like, when I'm enjoying myself, it doesn't, doesn't feel like a task, which is great, you know, like, I really enjoy what I do, and, I, I mean, I might as well, because I fucking dedicated, you know, four years of education to it, and then the last, like, what, like, nine, nine years of my life as a career for it, like, I'm not done. I'm not done training people. Um, I just think, you know, like, I have the opportunity right now where I can use something else as my main focus instead of having to hustle super-duper hard trying to get, like, you know, an, an entire, like, you know, client base set up for shows, and, you know, for the year and have, like, my regular, like, non-competitive clients all set up and, you know, like, worrying about whether someone's going to resign or not so I can pay my bills this month. You know, like, I, I really want to enjoy it I want to have it so that my clients know I'm enjoying it, um, you know, and, and really just like and continue doing it. But I think I think 
right now I don't want I don't want to take on anybody and everybody that says they want to do a show. Yeah, I I, um, I see what, I get what you're saying because <laughs> you know I, I got my side hustle too, and I've gotten really good at them because I was at a point where I was training a lot of people and I was making good money, but I couldn't get. I don't want to say I couldn't get the results, but I was more likely to overlook shit because I had so many fucking people to go through every day. It was like, you know, it would be cool if I had a side hustle that I could do to where I could just train like five to 10 people and really fucking put everything into them. And cause in, out of, you know, you could train 20 people and maybe get eight that really are like, I will do what, however many days I need to be here, however much I got to spend and whatever I got to buy, I'll fucking do it. And, yeah. and it's not the fact that, those guys will have the genetics. That's why they look better. They look better. They do better because they fucking want to do better. That's what it comes down to. You know, I see a lot of people have the potential to say, I'll pay whatever, I'll do whatever, but their head's in the fucking clouds. So it, it is cool to have another job or another side hustle to where you can filter out the people that just aren't going to fucking do it. You know? Yeah. And I think people, I think you do better business when you do that because it shows that you still have value in yourself and you know you can do your job. When you start taking every Tom, Dick, and Harry and charging whatever to bring them in, I think it devalues you because you're just like, you know, you're just taking anybody just to try to pay bills and people catch on to that. Now, there is a couple of trainers I know that are super fucking good and they can train a lot of people and they do that. Me, I'm too a fucking AADD. I can't do that shit. But it's, it's, um, the point of this is, I mean, you both have experience in having side hustles and we can use that to train who we know is going to do very well. We can, we can pick and choose a little bit. So yeah. it's uh, I think it honestly, me myself, when it, when I've put more value into what I charge and I pick and choose, I do better. I just, I do, I do better because I have who I want. It is more fun to train. You know, those people are good. If somebody's going to work a hundred percent, I'll give them 110%. They give me 50%. They probably ain't going to get 20% out of me. Well, I think too, it's like, well, I wouldn't say like you take every every Tom Dick Dick and Harry or whatever, but the thing is, is like when you when you do have like you know quality clients, what ends up happening is like you you just the only ones who come to you eventually are just quality clients. Like I was, I've been there, I've been there where like I've had like everybody, and then I've had like out of out of like twenty five clients, I have two getting ready for a show, but there are two that are probably going to win, you know. And so the thing is, is like. You know, those two guys win the show. People find out that I train them. Then you get you get two more guys that jump on it. They they can win or do you know do well on the show. You get another couple guys, and then eventually you're just known as like the guy to go to. You know, and I was I was one of those guys. You know, at, at one point um, where like when people were debating between you know who to go for for a prep coach. You know, like a lot of times I was one of those guys like in their head. You know, of like who to go to, and. Um, I, th I think that's kind of the advantage uh, that I, I guess I'm at at the moment is that there's still uh, people out there that know that I can I can do quality work when it comes to that. Like when it comes to contest prep, I can still deliver. You you were doing it when I first got there. You had you had a group of contest people when I first got there that did really good. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not like you. It's not like it was ten years ago. No, yeah, yeah, of course. But I mean, just in, in general, I guess moving forward into the future, it's like. You know, I, I think what I, I can basically, like, get a lot more focused into, you know, videography work and everything and be able to use that sort of, like, the, the main, my main income, you know, and really hustle because there's still things I'm learning a lot about, you know, in, in videography and moving into, like, cinematography, stuff like that. Like, there's still a lot to learn. 
Um, I feel like with, you know, like contest prep, I, I have, I have a way of getting somebody ready. I know I can, I can, and I know like, you know, with the right person, like we can win shows. And so like, if all those ingredients are there, you know, at the same time, like I always know that as a trainer, like I'll be able to deliver there. Like there isn't, I'm not going to, you know, be the asshole. <laughs> I don't want to sound like a dashback. But when it comes to training, I know what I'm doing. Um, and I, I don't feel like there's a whole lot, like there's no more learning curve really for me in that arena. And um, so not that I'm saying that it's not like there's no more challenge, but I think with that, it's like, I'm very confident that at any point, if I had somebody who wants to train me, I could train them. You know, whereas like, and, and I would enjoy having those kind of clients and be able to just, you know, charge them what, you know, I want to charge them and, and train them and get them where they want to go and not be stressed out about it, you know, and worried like if this person's going to stick around and am I going to be able to pay my phone bill this month or am I going to be able to get my rent, you know, am I going to be able to, you know, fucking make my payment to Dropbox and like my payment to Google this month, like all those little things, like at the end of the month, like you start adding it all up and you're like, shit, you know, only if, if, if Tom, Dick and Harry had paid me on time, I could have paid my phone bill, Dropbox, fucking, you know, like what other, all these other little tiny bills that you end up getting, you know, because randomly you get hit, with, like you've been charged nine ninety nine dollars overdrafted your account. And you're like, what the fuck? You know, no, like, and that's, that's the pain in the ass of like being like that, you know, sales only, uh, income, uh, as, as a trainer, you know, that's the hardest part. Yeah, definitely. I think in this day and age to be, to stand out from the other, cause there's so many fucking online trainers and shit now. I think to stand yeah. out, you have to know a little bit like how you know how to market, you know how to do media. I have experience in marketing and getting myself out there. We have you know, have a unique personality or something. It's just like, just because you train people doesn't mean you're going to be successful. You have to find a knack or find something extra to add on to it or to make yourself unique. And yeah. um, that's one of the reasons why I like IHF, we all, all the trainers there have something different that, that you know, we're, we're not your corporate cookie cutter fucking guys. I mean, yeah. I, I still, I look at other people in there like Tina and Mark and I'm like, fuck man, I'm stealing that. It looks good. I'm going to try that. You know, you've shown me shit. You know, you you showed me shit before that that I I haven't seen before, like how to do the um, straight arm pullover sitting down. And in fact, now that that's that's way off, but because that seat's gone, I know I saw a way to do it on the pull down machine. I'll have to show you, see if we can pull it off. Because I really All like right. that movement. That's a good fucking movement. I want to figure out how to do it again. But you know, and I, that's um, I don't, I know I can do my job, but I I don't like thinking that. I still like to look for different shit. So yeah. Um, being in that gym and the different types of people we have in there, I'm always looking. And you'll know if I steal your shit because I'm going to tell you. I'll come back, hey, man, I'm stealing that. So if I put it on my Instagram, I'll put your, I'll tag you in it and say I learned it from you, but I'm fucking taking it. I don't give yeah. a shit. I think a good trainer needs to be able to take the best of the thing, people he learns from and kind of make it their own. I think you know, you're know you not going to always invent new shit. You have to learn how to reinvent other shit or take the best from other people. And there's nothing wrong with that as long as you get credit where credit's due. I think that's part of the, the, the videography part that I like the most is that it, it gives me an outlet for creativity. Um, and not that like exercise and personal training and stuff doesn't, but I feel like I've done probably, you know, most all of it. Yeah, you've hit a lot of the accolades already. And, and they're like, I guess when 
I always like to do stuff. Like I like to stay busy. I like to get things done, you know, and I love, I love learning new things. It's kind of like some, I would say if I have a talent, my talent is learning. Like I like to learn new stuff. Yeah. Um, and, um, with, with training, I just don't feel like there's a whole lot there that like I've been able to, I've been able to actually like kind of in a sense, like master something, which feels good. You know, it feels good to have, have enough knowledge and experience to feel confident that someone could throw any question at me and I, I can come up with an answer and not just make it up off the top of my head or be like, oh, I don't know. You know, obviously like if I don't know, I'll tell you, I don't know. But if, you know, any, any person was ever to come up to me and be like, Hey, I want to, I want to train with you. And I'm thinking about doing the show. I can be like, okay, but like confident be like, okay, let's do it. Yeah. And, um, you know, I know, I know exactly what we need to do. Uh, whereas like with videography stuff, like, it's always different. Like I have, you know, I, I go and I shoot, uh, you know, a, a video for a car, you know? So I'm, I'm looking at like strapping my fucking camera to the side of this guy's car and like putting my, my camera on the hood of his car as he's flying down the freeway or I'm driving next to him trying to shoot as I'm driving, like really crazy shit, totally different. Um, you know, that's, and that's totally different from like just going into a, like a PC gaming store and just shooting like video of, of guys playing video games. Yeah. Very different. And um, it's, always, it's always different. Yeah. And, uh, and you can take some of the stuff you, you learn and apply it to shooting people's bodybuilding <laughs> videos and stuff. And it's always knowledge could always cross over. I was actually saying you, you've done music videos too, right? Yeah. I remember when you did that one, you showed me a clip from it turned out pretty good. I have another one I'm working on right now that should be released in about a week. Good shit. Hey, um, Real quick, if people want to get a hold of you on your website or get a hold of you for that type of work, where would they go? I'm going to post it on the podcast and on the video on YouTube. I'm going to post all this contact info and his IG and all that shit. But real quick, when people just listening, if they want to get in touch with you to do that or even training, where would be the best place to get in touch? Uh, if you want to get in touch with me for training, you can just email me at jwhanalei at gmail.com. It's hanalei, H-A-N-A-L-E-I at gmail.com. Uh, or you can check out my Instagram, which is at tpaoa. Doesn't stand for total vapor, it stands for total package. Total package 808. So TP808. Um, and then for videography work, it's just www.jwhonolayproductions.com. Um, also, my Instagram is at jwhonolay underscore productions. Um, yeah. You can also go to, you can also Google IHF or Iron Wine Fitness to find you there too, because all of us have yeah. our websites routed through there. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So yeah, com as well. You can go to the trainer page, and I know me, him, all of us on our pictures that has links to our websites and everything. If you guys can't remember all this shit, at least go there and find us through there. Find him through there. So, um, Jody, thanks for coming on, man. This went well. Um, I, enjoy, I enjoyed talking with you. I'd like to get us on again sometime. Maybe get a couple of other trainers to come on and just shoot shit about techniques and stuff. And get you know, do it yeah. for here and do for the. And if you guys, even if you're not in in town and you want to check out the stuff we do at the gym. Um, go to Facebook and search IHF Insider and ask an invite. And one of us will allow you to come in. That pays for people that are interested in the gym, interested in what we do. You don't have to be a member there in order to get in. We just do that closed page so people can get a hub for all of our media and get notified when we post shit. So um, feel free. And I'll put that link on the bottom of this video too if I remember. And you can go in there and you can see us and all the other trainers and what we do. And you can listen to our podcast that we do for IHF, which we've done a, just a few, but they're really good. Hopefully we get back to doing that again here soon. Um, Jody, I appreciate it, man. I'm going to let you go so you can enjoy the rest of your weekend. I'll see you at the gym this week. Yes, sir. Hi, man.
Appreciate it. Thank you.